Uh, you guys know what a vax hole is? No. Who's been, been somebody who's been fully vaccinated and brags about it? Hmm. Mm, okay, fair enough. I feel like that's everybody. I would. I would. Uh, I, I don't know any vax holes yet. I would, I, but I, I'm just saying, if I got it, I would brag about it. I, I mean, well, I'd I'm, love for you to be the first vax hole I know. I'd love to know more vax holes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I want everybody I know to be a vax hole. We're just gonna once we all get vaccinated, we're just gonna like just brag about it on the show for like a whole half hour. That'll be the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just prepare to. Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year. To tell you the truth. Wee! I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch and unbelievable goodness. Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 513, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss the the performance of the Pacers in in the fourth quarter, however that may be. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, we've got a start of the week for you, and an undegooglable. Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the high school home of Jamison Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, shout out to March Madness, which is uh, taking over the Indianapolis region. How are you guys surviving there? Is it Madness? <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, it's it's not full madness because of uh, you know uh, COVID attendance restrictions. So, uh, but uh, you know we're feeling a little crazy. It's mild madness. Okay. <laughs> it's manageable. It's manageable madness <laughs> for sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll All let right. the marketing team know about that. Uh, from the heart of the madness, Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana. It's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? I'm just so glad to be here. Um, uh, in the midst of the madness, it's nice to see, nice to see uh, some familiar faces. Um, and excellent job on uh, Monday's show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just assuming. Right. You guys always do a great job. Yep. Um, From Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? I am shouting out the NBA this week, where they pay their players. Ooh. (laughs) Shots fired. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, that's not the right time. Sorry. That was the Jewish space laser. 
<laughs> Mazel tough. Uh, well, before we get into the show, uh, I'd like to remind you this show is brought to you by you, the listeners. Uh, and you can do that over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. Um, you can support us with your hard-earned money for as little as a dollar per month and help support us. Uh, looks, it goes to gear and hosting and all that sort of good stuff. So uh, we're looking to make some improvements, and uh, we'll get there faster if, uh, if we get some support. So I'd like to thank everyone who's done that so far. Again, that's undebeatables.com slash... Wait, patreon.com slash undebeatables. <laughs> I, you know what? I can, I can fix our website, Email us. too. I can, Send us a link. Yeah. Don't worry we'll about that. Don't worry about it. It's right. it's in the show notes. John Coulson. Just yeah. the show notes. It'll be fine. <laughs> just, uh, just text Coulson. He, he knows how to do it. That's right. That's right. I'm the tech guy. Yep. Um, well, we want, yeah, we want to talk today first about the, the performance of the Pacers in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, I This might be a hot take. I think it's been lackluster. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, Jason, you 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 had done um, uh, a little bit deeper a deeper dive than I think than than my uh, my analysis just there was. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? So that's my point. Do you have a counterpoint? <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess my counterpoint agrees with your point, <laughs> which is that we're not good. Perfect. But, um. Yeah, so I, as I mentioned on Monday show, um, prior to those two Miami wins that we we had, I was all prepared to, um, you know, embrace the ledge with with Colson and and admit <laughs> that we're just not a good basketball team. Um, so I started doing some digging into some some numbers and whatnot. And my my theory was, you know, our argument all year basically since the Oladipo trade has been um well we're not winning basketball games because we're in a talent um deficit right we don't have two starters and we're, we're not we're just not doing things we're, we're getting out talented in these games right and in part that's probably true but I also felt especially after watching fourth quarters this week or really kind of all season um that we just do things that aren't typical of winning basketball teams, right? Um, you know, the things that were the hallmark of the Pacers of the past, um, you know, whatever, four years, I mean, really, as far as you can go back at some level, is that, you know, we don't do things that beat ourselves, right? We take care of the ball, we play good defense, give ourselves a chance to win, right? And so I did some digging and... Um, here are some numbers that I'll throw at you guys just to sort of support this argument that maybe we're not doing the best things that we can do um, as a team, especially in fourth quarter. So, so focusing on fourth quarters for the season. So these are for the season numbers and all of these numbers get worse. If you focus on, you know, us since the all-star break or say since the Oladipo trade, but okay. So uh, in fourth quarters, number of turnovers, in fourth quarter, we are 26th in the league, averaging almost four turnovers in the fourth quarter. So not taking care of the basketball. Uh, 25th in turnover percentage at almost 
So that means 16% of our possessions, we give the ball to the other team. Wow. Um, and then defensively, uh, not super great either. So we know that there's a rebounding um, problem on this team. But weirdly, if you look at the numbers, we are better at rebounding in the fourth quarter than we are overall, which doesn't make sense, except for uh, opponent second-chance point um, opportunities. So we're 24th in the league. We give up three-and-a-half points every fourth quarter and second chance. So we do better taking care of the offensive glass, but when teams get an offensive rebound, they score off of that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. in line with the turnovers thing, so points off turnovers uh, for other teams, we are 29th in the league, actually, in that, in fourth quarters, giving up five a game. Uh, and then uh, the last thing was opponent points in the paint. Um, so if you're giving up baskets or, yeah, buckets near the rim, you're usually not doing great defensively. And we are 27th in the league in the fourth quarter uh, in points in the paint. So those were just a few things that sort of uh, supported my thesis. I mean, there are plenty of other things that we do actually well or even better in the fourth quarter than we do for the rest of the game. So offensively, as Harper highlighted in Monday's show, we actually are pretty good offensively and um, seem to do okay or if not even better in the fourth quarter. So field goal percentage goes up, effective field goal percentage goes up, offensive rating goes up, I think. Um, stuff like that but these other things defensively like we just kind of fall apart in the fourth quarter it seems like and um, don't take care of the basketball at some level Um, I don't know that's you know numbers are numbers they don't mean anything you know as we find from Joey's (laughs) stat of the week so I don't know what do you think Colson are we just a bad team and are we at a talent deficit and this will all come back to we'll rebound to the normal no pun intended um once we get lavert and and warren fully integrated uh so it's that's funny you know you mentioned that our uh you know our percentage shot percentage goes up in the fourth quarter it doesn't really meet the eye test and i wonder if it's because the game slows down for us in the fourth quarter like we're not pushing the pace because if we're hitting more shots I've just watched I mean you know against the Lakers I was like well okay Kuzma got hot and LeBron can you know he just finds ways to win in the fourth quarter you know against Phoenix we had enough of a lead but we were we only put up 25 and they put up 34 um you know against the Nets like we we were you know in control of that game and then Harden just went nuts um you know in that Miami game that we just watched uh on Sunday um you know, we were up, what, eight or ten and then just didn't score for the last four minutes and had to win the thing in overtime. Like, I, I feel like our offense bogs down and maybe we're shooting a decent percentage, but we're not. I mean, you know, just the eye test is we're just not as effective offensively. And I don't know if it's because we're not pushing the ball or what. So I, I guess I should clarify um as far as these numbers go. So when I say we do worse or better, I mean, our rank in the league gets better. Okay. Not Not, not compared to what we're, it's not compared to the rest of our, 
Um, yeah, I can't say confidently, game. but um, but like for instance, like we're in the top ten in field goal percentage in the fourth quarter. Or really? Like yeah. If okay. you look across the league, yeah. Huh. I mean, maybe maybe eleventh. I don't know something yeah. like that. But I mean, right it, up there. As far as point margin in the fourth quarter, we're eleventh. So we're. Yeah. I mean, we're positive in the fourth quarter. Okay. Over the course of the season, we're up half a point. Um, okay. Uh, I agree. Why I, do we just I mean, keep doesn't just feel super losing in the, the fourth quarter? <laughs> I test, right. right? I mean, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, early in the season, we were, <laughs> like, maybe having more success than we are now. Sure. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And, and so whether it's reversion to the mean or... I mean, if when you actually look at the splits, like on on paper, none of it looks that bad. I mean, we're, we're we we look like a top half of the league team in the fourth quarter uh, hmm. by a lot of these metrics to me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, the way that we were playing prior to getting Karis back, you know, had me questioning whether Karis Levert and Warren together were going to be enough to get us back yeah. into a place where we could win. Um, now, in fairness, a lot of those holes were dug way before the fourth, <laughs> way before the fourth quarter. It's not to be in games in the fourth quarter. I'm into that. Yeah, right. um, that's true. But I remember we were having these conversations early in the season. Um, or I mean, maybe when this sort of swoon started to begin, of like, well, we're competitive in a lot of these games, but we're losing in fourth quarters. We're like, you know, we we're speculating our guys are tired, you know, because Sabonis and Brogdon are playing ridiculous minutes right. and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's all kind of true at some level, but um, there's definitely something going on. Maybe the reverse is true. Maybe the numbers are inflated because it's a bunch of garbage time, and so we get easy buckets because we're down right. 40 in garbage. I mean, right. I mean, it's still not a huge sample set, and there's been so much upheaval on our team. I think it's sure. difficult to to know for sure exactly where we're at. And obviously we're having another big personnel change now trying to integrate Levert. I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I think that, you know, staring down an opponent in the fourth quarter and just going to work and making it happen is something that this team <laughs> needs work on. Um, you know, we just haven't been as effective in winning time as a lot of the teams that we faced. And again, it yeah. put on us by the likes of, you know, James Harden and, you know, a Denver Nuggets team really show how far we are away from elite right now. Mm-hmm. And then even on the offensive end, I feel like there are these, like, we go through these, like, droughts of, mm-hmm. you know, three or four minutes, or if not longer in some games, where we just can't manufacture a good look or a bucket, for that matter. Um, and that, you know, is something that, you know, we've talked about in the past of, you know, fourth quarters or when you go from, regular season to postseason like defenses defensive intensity steps up right and how do you respond to that and uh, you know with this team this season what we're trying to do is implement a whole new system and uh new plays and new personnel now with Levert and to do that at a, a level of efficiency you know in the first three quarters is is already a challenge and then it goes up another level when you get to the fourth quarter and and i think that's a lot of what we've been seeing you know this last week not to mention we're playing really really good competition you know yeah yeah of late it's, so. the, it's the death march like like last okay. year like it just it's been brutal i mean you know i think we speculated uh, a couple weeks ago that that you know um 
that we're starting to get a losing mentality. We've lost so many in a row that we just, you know, uh, we just tighten up and that, that three ball doesn't go off as clean because you just, you're like, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose. Um, you know, the, the game is uh, mental as much as it is physical. Um, and, you know, I do feel like we tighten up. I, I actually, in that uh, Miami game on Sunday, I felt like Karis LeVert had like three or four possessions in a row, like mid fourth quarter, where he kind of kept us in it. Like where he just kind of like, look, I'm going to take over and do this. And then he kept doing that after he hit those three buckets or whatever. He kept doing it. He started missing those. And that's when Miami caught back up. And I thought, oh, no, like this is like, why are we back here? This is the new fresh blood. <laughs> like, is he going to bring us a different mentality? And then we're just back where we are. Now, we pulled that game out in OT. Um, and I think it's great that we beat Miami back to back. But, like, you know, I'm hoping that maybe that can break us out of what might be mental. I mean, maybe it's not, but I mean, you know, you play three and a half quarters one way and it seems to be very successful. And then, you know, come winning time, we're just, you know, we're getting sloppy turnovers and the, and the, you know, there seems to be a lid on the basket. Yeah. I mean, certainly turnovers are the, by, by far the biggest bug. I mean, we're, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're in company of like the bulls and the thunder and the calves when it comes to fourth quarter turnover percentages <laughs> Yeah. Can't have it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as for Lavert, I mean, unfortunately, he's doing what he has to do, right? Um, you know, late in the shot clock, he is the guy more than anyone else on our team who can manufacture his own look. For right? sure. So he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but that's going to result in a bunch of tough looks, right? So mm -hmm. he's not going to be shooting, you know, necessarily a super high percentage all the time. Now, some of the shots that he hit and the looks that he created Incredible. in those Miami games, yeah, excellent. Just super yeah. excellent stuff. I mean, we haven't had a guy who can create like that on his own, uh, you know, in the paint, going towards the basket in a while. Um, yeah. You know, Since excepting T.J. Warren in the bubble, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and certainly getting him back will help us out. Um, but getting late into the shot clock without a plan and then – leaving it in Karis's hands, that's the place where you don't want to be, right? And, and and leaving it to any ball handler to drive into traffic late in the shot clock against a set defense, guess what? It's going to result in turnovers and a low shooting mm -hmm. percentage, right? So uh, we just got to do a better job of, you know, moving the ball around, reading defenses and making good decisions. Fatigue, of course, late in the games becomes a factor, um, you know, it's hard to blame it all on that, but certainly that's part of it. And, you know, having a deeper roster certainly should help with the fatigue factor. Um, but the, you know, the difference between where we are as a team and turnover percentage in the first three quarters and the fourth is, is so wide. Um, it's just, it becomes difficult to explain. <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to um, a, uh, Nate Bjorkman interview, and he was like, you know, I'm focusing on the positive. We're playing great basketball for, you know, uh, three quarters of a, of a game, you know, like, and he's like, the, you know, we're not playing any differently in the fourth quarter. We're just, the shots aren't going down. And I'm going, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> like, it does feel like there's something different, you know, down these stretches. Um, well, I mean, he knows whether we're playing different or not, right? I mean, he's right. the guy who makes that decision, right? So right. fundamentally, we are not. But what we're doing is maybe not working. I mean, we talked a little bit on the Monday show about him calling out the team a little bit. Um, 
you know, and, and maybe questioning, you know, the guys, you know, working hard for fans and TJ McConnell and his presser after the game, you know, talked, talked about, you know, living up to fan expectations and, um, you know, I rarely are things so simple. I mean, I think this is a team that plays hard for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but you know, changing something that seems to be systemic always comes down to every guy looking in the mirror and making improvements individually and then bringing that yeah. to the group. Right. I mean, it'll get better. Damn well better. <laughs> Damn well better. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I think that, um, Cole's not talking a little bit about this last night. Um, I, I, I like this team, and I don't think, you know, we've got a lot of returning players, mostly the returning players from last season. Yeah, we've had a coaching change, but um, there's no reason on paper that I don't, you know, that I think that, you know, normally when I see these kind of problems, fourth quarter letdowns are like inexperienced teams. You know, it's a bunch of young mm-hmm. guys. It's the Hawks, and, you know, you expect that from those guys because they've not been there, but, you know, I don't think that's our problem and I, and I don't know what the problem is but it's I don't think it's a personnel problem and I don't like I in general like they'll play three three quarters of good basketball and then just kind of let it go you know so um I don't I don't exactly know what the problem is you know it's it's been like of course it's been a weird year but um and there's there's always personnel changes you know Levert's getting integrated and all that good stuff and Lamb is you know in and out and you know, we've got McConnell on the floor now. Um, as a lot of times, he's he's in you know playing more in the fourth quarter than I would I would think. You know, uh, before the season started. Um, <laughs> but he didn't like know he's going to be our best player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he's best slacking on that scout report. <laughs> you know, we, we we talk we talk all you know we talk before every season like who's your crunch time five and like I didn't have him in my in my crunch time five like crazy man. crazy. Like, you call yourself an analyst, you know. <laughs> I call you guys analysts. Um, so I, I don't know what the problem is, but I, I, I like like I like all the pieces, but they've not been adding up to wins. Sure, and you know I don't I, I don't know what it is, and maybe maybe it's just time. You know I think Bjorkren. One of the things that I've seen from him is that he. He has been fiddling with the lineup some, which is good in my opinion. You know, throughout the year, you know, I've seen in the past coaches we've had would would be really rigid and, and say like, "Here's what we got," and then they would make a change when they had to, like for for mm-hmm. uh, injury or whatnot. But you know, we've seen some of these sort of uh, the edges of the rotation have been a little bit fluid, which I think is good to, to see. You know, to get some of those guys burn and, and let them develop, and I think that maybe some of that is is we've lost some games because of that. You know, sure. But I mean, I agree. You know, I'm it's... hoping. It, I'm just hoping at the end, you know, in sort of longer term view, it, it, it turns out to be better because of that. I'm hoping. Yeah, you know? I, I I think you're right. I, I mean, I don't think it's a personnel problem, you know, at all per se. But I I just you know every player has his comfort zone, right? And maximizing what we get out of these guys, you know, when we're short-staffed becomes a real problem, right? I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is not at his best when we rely on him to create late in the clock against set defenses in the fourth quarter, night in and night out in close games, right? That's just not, this is not who he is. It's never 
been who he is. He's out there and he can run an offense and he makes really good decisions, but he's not like the breakdown guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And giving him a little bit more space to operate off the ball with Karis LeVert in the game is going to get him much more into his comfort zone, especially the way he's shooting the three ball, right? Being a recipient as opposed to an instigator. Um, you know, we've done a great job, you know, maximizing Sabonis, but in, you know, probably to the detriment of, you know, him being super tired all the time. Right? <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. And we've done great things with, with T.J. McConnell as well. I mean, there's been some real success stories this season. Um, but kind of getting everybody fit into the place where they can maximize their own potential for themselves and for the team. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely still got a ways to go there. I just, until we see T.J. Warren on the floor, I mean, it's really hard to know what we've really got. I mean, he just he's going to unlock so much for us. Um, if we can get him back and playing consistent minutes before the playoffs, it's going to be... I mean, he just changes the geometry on the floor. Uh, he changes duties out there. I mean, it, 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 I, I'm really excited to get him back after the splash that, that Karras has made, even in just a few games in a brand new system. I mean, you know, in fairness, probably everyone is working with the new system thing, so Karras maybe mm-hmm. isn't that far behind. But um, I just I, I felt like seeing Karras on the floor made a big difference, and at least the way the offense looked. And, and, and like you, Joey, I'm just hoping that it comes along and – and it starts showing dividends late in the game as well. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, system can get you so far, but within that system, you need individual uh, players and and talent to uh, exploit matchups and and dis- advantages that that get created from the system. And Karis definitely is one of those special type of players that you know can create his own shot and and has a special combination of length and athleticism that. Uh, we just simply didn't have, um, right. you know, until he, he got on the floor. Um, I do worry, though, um, about the prospect of T.J. Warren's, you know, returning this year, right? I mean, he's still in a walking boot. Like, um, even if you get that thing off tomorrow, like, it's another month, right, before he's ready to um, get back on an NBA court, right? Um He's just losing muscle by the day, I would think. Um, so, me and him both. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call. Um, you know, so I mean, of course, I want TJ Warren back, but I think that in the in the meantime, we got to figure out how to how to execute with with the guys that we we do have. Oh, for sure. I don't know, Colson. What do you think we're going to get um, a, a, another influx of talent um, here on well, by well, the trade market coming soon? Maybe, maybe. But what I will I will say that before that is that I thought the the Friday game against Miami. Uh, so this was like a week ago. Now that we're talking, um, was one of our most complete games. And one of the nice things about scoring 137 points is that we didn't have to worry about falling apart in the fourth quarter. Um, if you just want to blow teams out in the first three quarters, like it kind of solves some problems. And I think, and I think Karis LeVert has a lot to do with that. I think he's been helpful. Um, we're also, beast. yeah, I mean, it, 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 he has this ability. He, this is a thing we didn't have in our offense. It's like a new play. He like breaks his defender down at the top of the key and like just shakes the guy. And then this like lobs a pass to Sabonis for a layup. Like, it's just, I mean, you know, like, that's cool. We did that, like, four times in that Miami game. 
Um, there's just stuff that he provides. Um, and, you know, his length, and even if his shot's not going in, the, the way that he creates separation is just, it's incredible. Um, and those shots are going to start going in. So, um, you know, we, of course, because we pre-record, we won't know what our record is today. But, like, we're playing uh, the Bucks and then the Pistons. And then things kind of ease up a little bit for us. Like, we've just gone through this terrible march. It's possible that in, you know, 10 games we're back to 500 and then there's a sprint to the to the finish in another 10 games. Like, you know, this season isn't lost. And I think Karis LeVert um, coming back, uh, if we can get some confidence by winning some of these games like we just did these back-to-back games against Miami who we're competing against, like – I, I still think there's hope for this season, and 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 maybe we'll maybe the fourth quarter is, is about as, as much mental as it is anything. We'll get the confidence back. That's 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 where I'm at. Yeah, I I, I don't think this team has lost its confidence. Just for the record, I, yeah, I, okay. I think there's still hope for this season. We're you know we're two and a half games at a home court advantage in the first round. So yeah, 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 yeah I don't yeah. think we should roll over just yet. No, yeah, okay. I, and I'm so we're not you, we're but... not tanking yet. Is that, is that is that the case? Not quite yet. Okay. No, but. But I have concerns because typically uh, difficulties in the fourth fourth quarters are symptomatic of teams that will struggle in the playoffs. Yes, right? agreed, agreed. Because basically playoffs become fourth quarters the whole game. The entire game, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> yeah. just the level of intensity and pressure is that high. And, you know, fourth quarters and playoffs are even, you know, more intense, right? Um, and so I just, you know. Obviously, it's on my radar after this week of like, right. you know, just complete, you know, falling apart. And we certainly three don't look four complete. games, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, we certainly don't look like a complete team just yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, uh, since you uh, threw me a softball and I, uh, you know, whiffed it um, two innings ago, <laughs> <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to talk uh, briefly about uh, the trade deadline. Um, I'm I'm thinking that something might happen, and I'm a little concerned about it because I like Joey, really like this team, and I like all the guys on it. I'm looking at a couple facts here. Um, the Pacers currently are paying uh, $125 million uh, for this roster. Um, the tax is $132 million. Next year, uh, TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott's contracts are going to be coming up. Um, those two players... Uh, are currently um, in our tight seven-man rope. Uh, McConnell, as we mentioned before, is probably our best player, and uh, Doug McDermott is having a career year. Uh, McConnell currently makes $3.5 million. McDermott currently makes seven point three. Uh, one would think that both of them are in for a raise, and so there's no way that we can pay both of them and stay under the luxury tax, and the Pacers never go over the luxury tax. Because next year, I think we, if we don't re-sign either of them, we're at 120 million. You got to assume that both those guys are going to cost more than 12. And so, my theory is that we might make a trade here, um, partly because we're struggling and we're under 500, but also partly because just the numbers. And um, I'm wondering if we're going to uh, trade some guys that have seemed to have fallen out of favor with coach. Um, Jeremy Lamb and, and, and Aaron Holiday seem to be on the short end of this uh, minute stick right now. I'm wondering if you guys agree with that or am I just panicking? 
I mean, I, I think there's good reasons to think about making moves at the trade deadline. I don't know what McConnell's market value is right now. Um, don't you but think, I think he's worth $10 million it, in the offseason? What's that? Don't you think he's worth $10 million in the offseason? I mean, the way he's playing right now? I mean, he's uh, leading the league in steals. Um, right, right. Like I said, I, I just – fine. That's a fine number to pick out of the air. That's fine. Um, but he's also super tradable himself. For sure. So, I mean, I think that if you're going to make trades at the trade deadline, your primary, your primary calculus is not going to be about – you know, the salary cap in one or two or three years is going to be about making this team complete and better, right? I mean, that has to be the place where you start from. And if it's not, then you've arled. Okay. I mean, people make financial trades, though. I mean, just for the sake of finance, right? Um, but you're saying since we're, we're trying to get to the playoffs, we're not messing with that. Like, this isn't, this isn't a tanking team. We're not doing this just for the books. I mean, like when you, when you think is. about trades for the sake of finance... I mean, you're thinking yeah. about, what, like the Sixers last year or something? I mean, teams make trades to get better or plan for yeah. the future. Right. I mean, finances, I mean, they're out there, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, th- there's certainly teams that, like, make deals. Like, the, the flip sides of those trades of teams trying to get better is, you know, players become available because their their contracts are untenable to their current team or whatever, right? I don't know. I don't know what, what the what happened to Jeremy Lamb. I feel like he didn't he isn't he just hurt? Or, well, or I mean, I'm just he, saying like he played like uh, what, five minutes in that Miami game or <laughs> twelve minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, you know, he was our big, you know, offseason signing two years ago, and he was supposed to be our sixth man, and he's playing like well, you know twelve minutes a game. Sure, I know. Granted, he's been in Karis Levert and TJ Warren. <laughs> right, right. But TJ he's, Warren's not playing right now. Like, I mean. I if if TJ Warren Karis was Levert playing, is. that would make more sense to me. Right. I mean, I think Karis Levert is sucking up Lamb's bench minutes for sure. Um, and the way McConnell and McDermott are playing, like there's just not a lot of minutes left. We're basically playing seven guys. And right? Justin Holiday. Yeah, right. Justin Holiday's getting. A big I mean, minute, so. Jeremy Lamb is definitely the odd man out. Like, if there's a guy that you would move, that would probably be at the top of your list. There's definitely been some talk about moving Aaron Holiday, which I'm not super thrilled about. Um. But also with the way TJ McConnell's been playing, if you can, you know, convert him into a, you know, a second round draft pick into a first round draft pick, even for me, it's kind of hard to argue. Yeah. Although I will. It it sucks. And I will boycott it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not okay with it. We'll get on here and be very upset at management. (laughs) But I I just, the trade deadline is always stressful. Um, If you uh, think you're going to, your team's going to make a bad trade, but you know Pritchard's shown uh, in the past that he's pretty savvy, and we've I think liked everything he's done. Um, you know, but you get invested in these guys, and you don't want them to be sent away for for you know financial reasons. I guess was my cash consideration. Cash considerations, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like poor TJ Leaf. Is there anybody out there that you just you got your heart set on that would make this team? No, the other the no, the other thing though I you know I do you know every trade deadline I do always wonder whether they're going to finally break up Miles Turner and Sabonis. Both are playing fantastic right now. Um you know, Miles Turner is at least on some sort of defensive player of the year list and Sabonis is an all-star, but 
Um, I, you know, I wonder if there's some, I mean, they just, they, we haven't seen the team that, that they want, right. Which is, you know, adding, uh, TJ Warren into this starting lineup. I mean, that's what they've designed. Right. And so to make a trade to, to trade Turner, even though he's our longest tenured pacer and, and playing fantastic defense right now, um, would be, I think a mistake, but I, I do worry about that every trade deadline. Cause he's always in the rumor mill. Yeah, I mean, I think that those rumors have been squashed, right, at this point, right? I mean... I'd hope so. You know, since it didn't happen in the, the offseason and the way that he's played this year, I don't think... I mean, the price would have to be quite high, and I don't know if other teams are willing to play, pay that price, right, for right. Uh, Miles Turner. But, um, and to get back to the financial thing, so, I mean, yeah, you know, even if you trade away things to make considerations for re-signing uh, McConnell and McBuckets. Uh, I mean, you got to fill the roster out somehow. <laughs> right. right. I mean, somebody's right. got to get paid. Right. And yeah. Something. And there's no guarantee that you can re-sign them. You don't want to necessarily like, you know. Right. Exactly. You can always trade somebody after like in the off season or yeah. whatever. And like yeah. McDermott's fine. Yeah, I don't think that their their market value is as high as you okay. think it is. Yeah, All right. like I think McConnell is weirdly much more valuable to the Pacers than he is to to other anybody teams. else. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I think he is undervalued, right? Like, so he's definitely going to get a rate. And McDermott, I don't know what his market like. Is his market really ten million dollars a year? Like, I feel like I feel like somebody would pay him ten million dollars a year. They can have him. <laughs> Sorry, did I say yeah. that on the show? Sorry. <laughs> like I just don't. I mean, I don't. I guess I don't know. Is the thing. Yeah. But it seems like three point shooting is available in the league these days, and that's yeah. the main thing that he brings to the floor. Um. So. If there's a lot of that around, right? It's supply and demand. Right? Yeah. Sure. There's lots of three point shooting in the league right now. And as great as McConnell has been, I'm always skeptical of the monster year in a, you know, in a contract year. Mm. I just, I am. Interesting. Sure. Uh, he's just got the uh, the new dad bump right now. He's just got the new dad juice. I mean, whatever it is, it's working. He should definitely keep working. drinking that juice. I mean, it's so efficient. Unless like, it's like roids or something. Yeah, unless it's 25 <laughs> pounds of meth, then stop drinking that juice. <laughs> Uh, on that note, I think it's time for a quick break. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, and uh, we'll uh, get a stat of the week and an under Google, and we will uh, let you out of class and send you on your way. <laughs>
bonus one that came up during the show i was so intrigued by the uh, uh birthday discussion that we had had uh, earlier that mm. um september 9th is the most popular day to be born in the u.s really it is yeah and uh september 19th is uh, the second most popular days um the most popular day um of interest, you know, of course, there had to be someday, but of interest to all you stats nerds out there, um, the week and a half between September 9th and 20th contains nine of the top 10 birthdays in America. Mm. Really? Really? So, mid September, very popular. I'm one of them. My, my birthday's on the 8th. Yeah, see, here's the thing September's not popular at all, January is popular as hell. <laughs> right. Well, and that's and that's where late December. So yes, yeah. and that's your Christmas in, babies. In this article, there's a there's a discussion. So we may need to do a little age check here. But if you know where babies come from, um, <laughs> I would love to see you explain that without visual aids. <laughs> Mid to late December is when uh, the the stork was ordered, or however that works. Um, uh, so that's where um, that's where babies come from is uh, mid to late mid December (laughs) mid to late December yep or a pandemic right Mm. Mm -hmm. so that was interesting there's uh, I'll uh, I'll post the article we we, uh, with some there's a reader's digest took the deep dive into this but they pulled stats from 538, so that makes it legit. Here, I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the chat <laughs> for you, so you can. Uh, I like it. So, yeah. The second one, though, a little less fun than that one. It's um, it has to do with uh, the, the way Asian Americans are, are treated in in this country. Uh, my wife is the stat of the week, the real stat of the week, and she spends a lot of her time working to. To fix that problem in in the U.S. and um, she's part of the Indiana chapter of the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. There's 14 different uh, uh, chapters across the U.S. But one of the reasons that she has been working so hard recently is since March of 2020, since the pandemic started, there's been over 3,800 re- reported um, hate incidents across the U.S. towards Asian uh, Asian Americans, and 68% of them uh, have been towards women. And, you know, it's almost certainly underreported, that number, because people don't know where to go or don't, you know, don't feel comfortable reporting it. Um, so it's, that's sort of the baseline is, is you know, 3,800 incidents over the last, you know, year or so. Uh, and, of course, 
in uh, Atlanta last week, uh, you know, there was a, a hate crime, mass murder uh, of mostly Asian American women. So she's been she's been doing a lot of work after that, you know, before and after that. So they also have sent her 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 group, uh, the Indiana chapter, has sent a petition. Uh, she sent this on March first, so before um, the the recent uh, incidents. Um, they sent a petition to Governor Holcomb to to speak out publicly um, against the hate crimes against you know Asian Americans uh, in Indiana, and um, he's not responded to directly yet. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to sign the petition. We've got lots lots of people did sign that, um, but uh, hoping that you know it, it makes a big difference when. Um, leaders with power respected leaders in power you know make public statements on that it it makes a difference so hopefully uh he will respond to that but i wanted to shout out to her she's been doing a lot of good work she's had some some uh um interviews and and, and uh, you know talking to lots of different people about this and just just uh, helping educate people on on the real problems that are out there in the world. Um, she works with a lot of good people as well. So there's lots of ways to help her organization. Um, if you, um, are a member of that, you know, if you, if you would like to be a member of the group, you can, you can join. Um, and then there's also ways to donate. Uh, it's a, it's a nationwide, um, organization that she's a part of. So, um, if you are not in Indiana, there's the, there may be a chapter near you as well. Shout, so out, shout out to her. Shout out. Yeah. 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 No, no fun quips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was that was one of the yeah. more important stats of the week we've ever had. So, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for That's doing good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. And uh, Governor Holcomb, did you find ten, find ten minutes somewhere and figure it out, bud. Yeah, uh, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in, in a lot of people's lives, and um, you know, it's a. Uh, Something that we're hoping to see in the past uh, one of these days, but we are not there yet. This this is a side note, um, but there's also a lot of um, Asian restaurants in this city and all over the country that are not owned by Asian families that are profiting off of um, the culture, Asian culture, um, that have, you know, at least in this city, have not made any statements about what's going on right now. Um, and seem to be pretty silent on the matter, and uh, it's it's pretty devastating. Um, if you're going to um, profit off of this, you know these groups of people, you also probably should support them in their time of need. So, anyway, yep. From the restaurant industry uh, perspective, <clears throat> yeah. All right, Colson, let's let's take it home. Um, hopefully we can we can uh, answer some questions for you. Do you have any burning questions you need uh, you need answered for this this week? Oh, are we doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. You know, this is funny. This is this may be um, 
one of the shortest ones we've ever done, but like it really, it's a burning question. It, it came to me today. I was, uh, I was walking to work and there was, um, a, uh, a chocolate milkshake spilled on the sidewalk. And I was like, God, that is so tragic. Like, that's just really awful. Like a chocolate milkshake is so delightful and it's just, it's just, it's just spilled. And then I thought, uh, there's a phrase similar to this. Don't cry over spilt milk. And I know what it means, but I started like obsessing about when it came about and when, when the context would be. Um, and, you know, uh, whether it's the 50s or the 1800s. And I thought, you know what? I want to know the history of the phrase uh, don't cry over spilt milk, even though we kind of know what it means, but maybe it's from Shakespeare. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just like my friends know more stuff than I do, but uh, yeah, that's that's my question. What's the history of "Don't cry over spilt milk"? We've never done this before. No, really, because I because it seems almost too easy. Like we know what it means. Yeah, milk right? lobby, and right? I mean, just <laughs> sure. <laughs> big big milk. Big milk. Big milk. Of course. <laughs> Wasn't that what a band you were in? <laughs> big milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the sentiment is basically like uh it's a trifle it's a small thing don't there's no reason getting super upset about it well no i i always thought of it as there's nothing you can do about it it's not that it's a trifle it's that like you can't put that milk back in that pail or oh, back in that okay. bottle i always thought of it as like yeah like something that you would tell children um so that they wouldn't be so upset. It's like it's not that big of a deal. It's spilled milk, but maybe maybe it's more. Yeah, like it's it's. I actually. Not, this I, is it's really it's, interesting. Well, Colson, <laughs> I, I thought I thought uh, I thought more along your lines, but it was also not not for something super serious. You know, like you know something happens. You know, whatever something happens, it's annoying and you can't do anything about it. And yeah, okay, don't don't cry over your spilled milk. It's it's already it's already done. It's in the past. Like. Right, so it's in the past, but I but you're right. There is some level of it, Jason, that it's a small matter that you can't fix. Right, because we already covered this, right? Because something that is like, you know, can't you can't do anything about it, right? It's the cat is out of the bag, right? The horse is out of the barn. (laughs) The horse is out of the barn, right? Yeah, it's like. Right. There are other uh, the phrases. Cat, the cat Don't. is out of the horse, right? <laughs> right. It's raining horses and cats. <laughs> All these phrases are so familiar. I think we've done most of them. I just I'm smelling t-shirts uh, in this conversation, so keep it coming. I will buy them all. <laughs> um. So uh, you know, uh, don't. Um, don't live in regret. Don't uh, focus on that which you cannot change. Okay. Sure. No, no. That, I mean, that, I... that's really interesting. I mean, that that makes me wonder whether it is, you know, originated in a different language and was, you know, poorly translated to ours or something, you know? Mm. Mm. Because, I mean, that's not a very, I, I don't know, it's a little zen for the American. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should be very upset about this milk that's spilled, you know, like milk costs a lot of money or, (laughs) you know, we worked really hard to get that milk pail or whatever, you know, Yeah, yeah. or let let me speak to the manager. I don't, I'm about to spill milk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Karen. (laughs) Uh, 
Harper, so what is your, uh, you know, your uh, interpretation of this? I mean, I, th- I think my experience is, cl- I-, I think Joey summed it up pretty well for me. Um, it, okay. it's definitely something that I interpreted. I mean, it's definitely something that we tell our kids, right? And so right. the context that comes with that is, is interesting, right? Um, you know, I just, uh, it's definitely something that, you know, it, it can't be done. It can't be undone, right? So move mm-hmm. on. Um, but it's definitely something that you only use for less drastic things. Right, it's not something that you would apply, even though the facts remain the same. Right, if if, if a mistake has been right. made, right, I mean you do have to learn from it, and move on. Right, but we don't right. deploy the phrase in that way. We only deploy it in situations where we deem the consequences less severe. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So, like, if if a kid spills milk. And you like, hey, there's a phrase for this, like, and the kid's freaking out, which happens. I've seen it happen. I mean, you I go, spilled hey, look, a lot of milk. I I remember <laughs> spilling a lot of milk as a kid. Yeah. Like my parents freak out. hated like, me. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they loved me. Otherwise, they would have hated me. I was terrible. <laughs> but like that's the thing, right? It's like, okay, well, this is this is. There's nothing we could do about it. This is replaceable. But I mean, like you're right. We don't say it. We're like, you know, um, if you accidentally cut your foot off with an axe we're not like oh don't cry over spill yeah milk. exactly like, you know? <laughs> Walk it there's, off, there's no don't cry over a crashed car we don't have that right 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 exactly right. yeah well that so, must mean that the phrase comes from a time when milk is less precious right when it's when it's more easily gettable or or mass produced we're not just like milking it ourselves i mean i suppose that, if you had a cow or the yeah. the term's meaning has changed over mm. time. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. Um, I would say that the value of milk is, you know, I mean, it's accessibility. I mean, I mean, think post refrigeration, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. This has got to be the most available it's been, right? Like yeah. today. I yeah. mean, today you got all kinds of milk. I mean, would you, would you, would you advise a child to to cry over like spilled oat milk. Yeah. That stuff is expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's right. That's right. Please please shed a tear for how much money I've got to go to spend <laughs> to replace that. Yeah. Just one tear, why, you know. Why aren't you crying? <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, do you realize what you've done? <laughs> Think of all the How oats? many oats had to be milked for this? <laughs> so hard to milk an oat. It really I mean. is. Really tiny udders. <laughs> that was another band you ran, right? <laughs> that was the only popular band I was in. Actually, we got yeah. some tracks. Super, like, yeah. super commercially viable. That's right. <laughs> the latest album from Big Milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you could use these for your uh, your farmers market band too. I think these are out yeah. there. Oh yeah, super oh, tiny udders is for definitely sure. <laughs> this should be your band name. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so since refrigeration, this phrase could have come into uh, uh, <laughs> to use that would make sense. But I agree with you, Harper. Like this may have nothing to do with milk. 
I mean, it clearly at some point has to do with milk, but um, we may be getting it. Like I'm saying, it could be from Shakespeare. <clears throat> there was no refrigeration is, with Shakespeare. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, this seems very. This seems German to me. I don't know hmm. why. Because seems like this weird. was was like brought over by German immigrants to the to the Americas or something like that. Like, it's a very practical mm-hmm. phrase. Mm-hmm. It's um, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don't waste your time. <laughs> like. Yeah. You know. Go make more milk. Right. right. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about Go it. Make more milk. Visit Bessie and give me another glass of milk. Yeah. Please. Like. No, I'm with you, Austro-German. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty solid. So, what what era are we thinking then? You're saying before the Americas. Um. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I was sort of envisioning, you know, German immigrants to the to the States or something like that. Okay. I don't know why. But it, it seems very pastoral American type phrase. Um, but maybe that's because that's the only context in which I've heard it, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you're truly agrarian, right, then you can literally just... Go milk the cow yourself. Go milk the cow. Well, and that's why you shouldn't cry over spilt milk, right? Like, on some level. Like, the cow is right there, right? Like, let's just go get more milk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if it's, like, actually from farmers, right? Before the refrigeration. Yeah, like, it's not not about, you know, consumers that go buy milk at the store. Because, I mean, they're, you know, poor folks, you know. Buying milk is is a real expense. Like, so, I mean, it's so you're not, telling me it's not during the Industrial Revolution? Like, we can like saying, block yeah, that out. Like, yeah, during urbanization is probably right. It's either post refrigeration or you know pre industrial right. revolution. Pre, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's my guess. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Or Shakespeare. Or Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> or falconry. Or falconry, of course. Didn't we come up with a new category last week, Joey? Or last time we? What was our thing? Probably. Oh. I mean, seafaring is. Seafaring, seafaring is a thing for sure. Generally. Right. Pirates uh, definitely cried over spilled milk if they had any. So. Hmm. They cry over anything, though. Yeah. Crybabies. Big crybabies. Um, I, I really like this uh, like German immigrant thing. I'm super into it. Okay. Yeah, and they could be the pastoral uh, Germans, you know, like the, the um, let's go like uh, late 1700s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and probably in German it means clean that up before I beat your head in. But somehow when they brought it over here, it turned into don't cry over spilled milk, you know, just like poor translation. <laughs> don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> exactly. Very practical. Yeah. It's very practical. I found some things. Okay. Um, that doesn't, guys, that doesn't uh, sound like good things for me. Well, no, it's it's <laughs> interesting um, that this is the first one that I know that there that I've seen that there is a uh, national day. Uh, f- the February 11th oh. is National Di- Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day. <laughs> I, that's um, definitely big dairy. That is big dairy. Oh, for sure, <laughs> mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. I'm saying the first historical reference appears in a document written by British historian James Howell in 1659. Okay, so the same most likely comes from European frame. folklore. And 
Yeah, in in um, that one with James Howell, it's uh, no weeping for shed milk. Uh, very. And similar. this is I'm on punchbowl.com. They say according to the old tales, fairies were particularly fond of milk, and would drink up any spills left behind. Hmm. Yeah, no. I'm, all I can get back is that 1659 is as, as, as far back as I can see it. Um, Jonathan uh, Swift used it in the polite conversation uh, in 1738. So I guess the English, not the Germans. It's uh, what it seems I mean, like, yeah. Age-old idiom, right? I right. Mean, yeah. It seems like maybe right, this was right. pretty pervasive and one of those things that was in the vernacular before anybody was using it in literature. Which happens so often with these idioms. For sure. So we're, we're close, though. I mean, I think, um, you know, off by a few countries. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. By this a few is... countries in a, in 100 years. But, like, you know. No, we said late Did, 17th uh, yeah. century, no? Uh, 1700s. Fairies were involved, yeah. Well, yeah, I think we said enough. 17th century, not 1700s, oh, okay. right? Oh, okay. Then then we were... Then uh, we... Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to look at the tape. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to look at the tape and say we nailed it. Right. We just we just double down. That's how we do things these days. Double down Nobody forever. Nobody can prove otherwise. Right. <laughs> not after the edit. <laughs> It'll be like 17th century. Don't cry over spilled milk day promotes a positive attitude, even when things might not be going your way. And there's a this is on the National Day Calendar dot com and there's a picture of a woman at the kitchen counter basically just pouring milk onto the counter that really captures the whole uh, spirit of the thing <laughs> how to observe be prepared okay mm. expect the unexpected have a backup plan Breathe. Hmm. Okay. Oh, so yeah, I'll, I'll remember to breathe next year. Yeah. Um. So a couple, uh, a couple fun facts. You already mentioned the fairies, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So apparently, the idea was if you spilled milk, it was considered nothing more than an uh, an extra offering for the fairies that they um, would often leave out food for. You said that. So maybe you're trying to like get your kids to calm down and say, "Oh, don't worry, it's for the fairies." <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which yes. I don't know. Is that scary or not? I don't know. Oh, right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I did find Colson. I'm I'm surprised you haven't brought this up. Um, but there is a there is a uh, a drink called the spilt milk. Hmm. I don't know um, how to make that. But uh, I'll I'll give you the ingredients right now. It's uh, an ounce and a half of rye whiskey. Quarter ounce amaretto, half ounce milk liqueur, half ounce cherry shrub, a pinch of sea salt flakes, two lemon wedges, and a dash of apricot kernel bitters. And your <laughs> garnish, of course, is a mm. lemon twist, of course, or a ginger snap cookie. You're, you make the call. I don't have several of those things. So I'm just going <laughs> to assume that that got its name from people seeing that drink again. 
Yeah. <laughs> or I was thinking just knocking over the glass when it was served to them. Oops. <laughs> I'm going to have to have something just else. a whiskey sour. <laughs> yep. You have beer, too, right? Beer's, beer's good. <laughs> I've told you guys that story before, right? Uh, with, uh, who is the old governor? Mitch Mitch Daniels. Uh, he, I was bartending, at a, at a, uh, and he came in to to dinner one night, and he ordered a drink, and we didn't have a couple of the ingredients. A drink sort of like this, we just didn't have a couple of the ingredients. A Chinese restaurant, like, you know, we've got, you know, the normal, you know, with the base stuff, and then a couple other fancier things, and then we just didn't have certain things. And I just sent, told the service, like, we just don't have this. Ask him to order something else. And he's like, no, 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 just do the best you can. And I did, and it was, and I was like, I'm making this drink. I'm like, I know it's not good. And um, <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Like, what, what, what sure. am I going to do here? So he, uh, uh, he he politicked his way out of that by doing that. He accidentally knocked it over and then ordered a beer uh, immediately afterwards. Oh, so, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well that is a politician right there. Yeah, well no, I was done. like, well, well done. Well done, Mitch Daniels. <laughs> can I ask what the drink was? Um, it was like, a, like an old-fashioned or something. Like, I don't even – I don't remember specifically, but it was uh, – or uh, what's a what's an old man drink? What's an old white man uh, drink? A, a Manhattan? No, 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 not a Manhattan. Uh, a, a Gimlet? No, was uh, an old man drink Tom with Collins. heavy cream. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, gonna say he ordered nail. a white Russian. Yeah. <laughs> no, the rusty. Those none of those have like enough ingredients to be a pain in the butt. Right. Right. Okay. So you need a. You need a lot. Uh, neither does an old fashioned, though, so it's probably yeah, not that's true. An old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. Doable, I would think. Hmm. But anyway, he uh, he, he did a, an expert politician job. Of, uh, For sure. Maybe Was it like an aviation? Potentially. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it was one that I had to go look up in the book. That's that's okay. the kind of drink it was. So You didn't call me? You didn't? I'm, I'm like, it's like phone a friend. As a bartending emergency. <laughs> you uh, didn't call. You didn't have a cell phone at the time. Oh, there's no. Like, oh, who's supposed to get all of you? Let's call the restaurant to, that he worked at. I, I had to. I had to call you from my house to tell you I was coming over to your place, so you knew it'd be around 20 minutes. And then I would get and pull in, and I would honk the horn so you could come down and let me in because I could not this call is you. True. I had no cell phone, and we also had no buzzer. So right, and I was also the last person you knew to get a cell phone. I think we discussed pitching in to get you a pager, but then those were like prohibitively expensive for some reason. Uh, do you remember when I uh, was leaving your house and I ran out of gas and uh, I came back to the house and of course you know, I couldn't get in and I didn't have a cell phone. So I threw rocks at your window and for like, I don't know, 20 minutes and realized that wasn't going to happen. So I went back to my car and I got the gas can out and I was walking to a gas station and this guy stops me and he's like, why are you going that way? I'm like, well, I'm trying to get gas. And he's like, you shouldn't walk around with a gas can in this neighborhood. Or you're going to get jumped. Let me walk you to this other gas station. So we walked way out of the way to this other gas station. And the whole time he was telling me about his plan, if I could just come up with a few dollars, there was this house we could stay at. As long as we bought some drugs, they'd let us spend the night. <laughs> um, and then I got my gas and, and, uh, used a pay phone where you have to hang up you know before like the answering machine because i only had like 50 cents or whatever you have to keep hanging up 
right before the answering machine picks it up until my girlfriend woke up so she could drive and and pick me up. Do you still carry a gas can around in your car? This is like a concerning piece of inventory to even own. Yeah. It, I, I run a no it, that car uh, the gas tank uh, the, the meter was broken so like I just always assumed I would run out of gas so I just had the gas can in the, in the in the trunk at all times I tried to keep you know track of it but like once you're doing city driving like when you're going cross country you can be like alright I need to stop but like you know city driving it can, you can lose Yeah. oh, oh also the issue was um, oh that's right Joey you had to jump my car for me to leave because my battery was dead so I didn't want to go get gas because if I stopped, I would have to turn uh, the car sure. off and then I would have to get, and it was like two in the morning. I didn't want somebody to jump my car at, at two in the morning. So even though I got gas, the girlfriend still had to come and jump the car. <laughs> Nailed it. I needed a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you made it out, out of that one alive. I don't, know how I, I don't know how I made it through my 20s, honestly. <laughs> yeah, AAA would have been the option, I think. But I was only like ten minute drive from home. No, you were a several hour drive from home. (laughs) At least, yeah. (laughs) You were an all nighter away from home. Right. (laughs) You know, nowadays I would have been like, I'm not gonna cry over the spilt milk. I'm gonna go with this guy to this drug den and just see what happens. (laughs) You know? That's your answer for everything. I've evolved. Oh, goodness. Well, I think that would mark the end of our show. Until next week, you can find us on social media. We're all over that. Um, we're on Twitter at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash TheUndebeatables. TheUndebeatables.com um, is our website, and there's a contact form there. And then we've got an email. Uh, shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. And, of course, our Patreon where you can uh, support the show financially. Uh, that is patreon.com slash undebeatables. And we've got a couple of uh, shirts hanging out in the store with the website slash store. For the architect, Donnie Walsh, and our once and always coach, Bobby Sucklinard. Turn out the lights. The party's over. But, I mean, yeah, I can't wait to uh, just go to a Pacer game and scream my beer breath through my mask at my Pacer. Are you going to put, or, like, a, a beer hole through the mask, like, to, for convenience? <laughs> sure. Sure. No, I'll just get I, I think I think I think the way they're doing this right now, um, you know, just for COVID sake, I think uh, you can get uh, a beer IV at the uh, concession stand. Excellent. No, I was going to say that the more effective way is to vodka eyeball. Everything's <laughs> <God. laughs> For sure. Oh, God. Or, yeah, what we need to invent is, you know, they got the, uh, you know, for when people want to quit smoking, they get the, the patch, the nicotine patch. We got to invent the alcohol patch for COVID. For sure. Like, just, you know, take it in by osmosis through your skin. I thought that's what boofing was for. Uh, I don't know if that's COVID. It's a little uh, bit more invasive. Or not. <laughs> All I know is I'm going to Urban Dictionary right now. <laughs> you don't have to go to Urban Dictionary. 
Go to the annals of the Supreme Court of the United States, <laughs> or the, of Congress. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the Senate, the Judiciary Committee of the Senate. I guess anything can be condescending if you're in the if you're in the like the right state of mind, you know. I mean, if you're dumb enough, most things are condescending. Yeah, so for sure. My yeah. life's super hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I was going to say a vax hole is uh, an available orifice when uh, you've been vaccinated. I'm going to shut the recording off now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I, can, I can cut that out. 